Today's show is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Winter is here, and eight smart mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses, plus free shipping and free returns. That's eight spelled E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and code TITA to redeem this special offer. Hey, this is Peter Kafka. I'm the host of Recode Media. And in February, Kara Swish and I are going to bring together the smartest and most interesting people in the media world to Huntington Beach in Southern California. We want you to be there. It's the Code Media Conference. It's February 12th and 13th. You can learn more by going to recode.net slash events. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior technology editor at The Verge. And you're listening to Too Embarrassed to Ask, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is a show where we answer all of your embarrassing questions about consumer tech. It could be anything at all, like whether or not Spectre and Meltdown are going to melt down Kara Swisher's devices so she can no longer... <laughs> text people at one o'clock in the morning and be a sparkly vampire and not do you know I was up at 4am today I was doing that today everyone was sort of perplexed who were you messaging everybody about this NBC show I have I was just like up and talking to people oh man really who who were you messaging Uh, people for uh, our special audience members and stuff like that are they famous people somewhat so, yes, they're great. They're they're the qualified people to talk about the issues we're discussing with Sundar Pichai and Susan Wojcicki of Google and YouTube. Oh, I was waiting for you to drop names so I could offer you. to help pick them up for you. <laughs> That's who's on the show. All right. Yeah, but the others are great. They're I'm not. They're not all locked in yet, but they're all great, and they're all going to talk all kinds of. We're going to talk all kinds of stuff about Silicon Valley responsibility, work, future, and blah 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Well, I'm looking forward to your blah, 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 blah. Are you coming? I'm, I will be there. Do not rush the stage. And try, I will don't be, Kanye I was hoping me. that you'd pick me to ask a question. Not, no, I will not, but don't Kanye me. Can we get a Do selfie backstage afterwards? No, no, not at all. No, okay. I'm moving, uh, you know, I'm moving ahead now. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have security. Will you still do the show with me? Yes, I will, but okay. security will be involved okay. if I need it. Anyway, so send us your questions. Find us on Twitter or tweet them to <laughs> AfriCode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag to embarrass I was going to say, you're like the executives I see at the grocery store down in yes. Silicon Valley, yes. who have like security guards hiding in aisle seven by the pasta. Now. Except I'm going to, for, for years I've wanted to have a security guard and her name is Dusty and she's a giant lesbian and she's going to like, and she's going to go to people, please don't get near Miss Swisher. She doesn't like to be touched. That's what she's going to do. Anyway, I, can't wait <laughs> I think it's this. time to bring in, in a minute, Ina Free, but go ahead. We have an email address. We also, yes. If you like to tweet your questions to us, tweet them anytime with the hashtag Too Embarrassed. And we also have an email address. It's too embarrassed at recode.net. And a friendly reminder, there are two R's and two S's and embarrassed. And if you don't use two R's and two S's, we're not going to get them. And also, I'm going to edit you. Uh, Kara, is your PC running fast these days? No. Because... If not, you better go catch it. Oh wait, no, wait. It's so, oh, I messed <laughs> up the joke. Forget it. You're I fired. messed up the dad joke. That's like no. not even a dad joke. That's a dad joke from 1962. I know. Ugh. Anyway. No, it's like from 19. Why did you make something? such a bad joke about Because your PC? we're going to be talking all about PCs all right, today fine. Okay. and other devices, really right. anything with the CPU. And how it. are we going to do this? We're talking about Spectre and Meltdown, and we are excited to have our good friend, Ina Freed Ina from Freed. Axios here in yes. studio. Comma, formerly of Recode, formerly of All Things T. How you doing That's over right. there at Axios? I'm doing good. It's fun. Have you figured out what it means yet, Axios? Yes, it means worthy in Greek, oh. or so we're told. <laughs> so we have a huge Greek audience that uh, is wondering why they're not finding out the latest in, like, worthy recipes. Um, 
All things digital means all things digital in English. <laughs> recode means recode. Yeah, English. yeah. I don't think, yeah, let those with clever names uh, cast the first stone there. Yeah, remember when we had recode that slash? Oh, oh my god! And then we were slash. recode. We are recode.net. Right. So yeah. that's because like buy recode.com. There are some great stories there. that I'm not allowed to tell. No, but we couldn't buy it. The <laughs> guy who owns it wouldn't sell it to us in Germany. Yeah, he was running a Nero, the storage system. I don't right? so or recode, something like that. You know. Any name becomes good when you have uh, people like Karen Walt, but it was it was you know frankly we not had, a good we, name. I found it was the old only deck. a good name when comparing to these others. So they hired like a naming consultant. These names, one of them we're sounded off. like a gay bar. No, they were. What all was, yeah, like what a, were here, they? Wait, I've got them. You keep we talking. One was like the man pleaser. I was like, I don't think that's really what you want to call it. Yes, it's a site that has a mostly male audience, but I, I think you'll wait, set expectations. Now, now, now you're gonna have to. Like, Are you gonna now, find I'm these? Gonna find it. Remember, gonna so find the, it. I have great memories of us all being holed up in a hotel room on. Was it New Year's, New Year's Eve, Eve or New Year's yeah. Day? New Year's Day. Yeah. New Year's right. Day. And, uh, I have and up it right until midnight. Because I was just like naming the new just, TV we, show. And then Adam Adam Tao like pushed the button. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now that is but, a whole uh, different meaning. Yes. Uh, you know, but it, it was it was, it was very good. it was a very so, big button. Y- here's and some names. Recode launched. Here's some names. Okay. Dispatch, Red Chair, New Level, Inside Look, High Water. What was that? Hell or? I don't know. Sorted. Which I think is sort kind of good. Yeah, <laughs> sort that would have been great. Recode was on this list. Uh, base node, noble few. I was like, that's a wine site, right? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Code motion, signal state, surface space, upsided the upside, code state, encoder, durable media, and that was it. We picked Recode Durable out of that group. Media. We had yeah. several. Sounds like a condom iterations. brand. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't pick Surface Space. It's a bad name, and Microsoft would have sued you. <laughs> Maybe we'd be sponsored by yeah. Durable Condoms if we. Right. Went with I would have media. liked to call it Spectre. Now that I see it, so we. we um, <laughs> she's. Ina is the Melts chief technology uh, correspondent at Axios and still one of the world's leading Pokemon players, but she also knows a ton about. Intel. She's, she covered a lot for, for all things My Indian. first job, actually, yes. yeah, in San Francisco was covering chips for an ill-fated financial wire. So, yeah. so What was that one called? Bridge News. Bridge News. All right. <laughs> that, that name's probably available, too. Yeah. Anyway, so I, th- we want to talk about this, and we have lots of questions. I, um, you know, it got, it got a lot of attention at CES last week, because Brian Krasanich spoke. Um, so why don't you just walk us through it? Because, you know, the name Spectre, of course, is from the Bond movie, which was the, in, the, the villains in the Bond movies. Uh, and Donald Trump is a meltdown on Twitter every week. So what, what are, you <laughs> are these as ominous yes. as those things? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a daily meltdown actually on Twitter. Yeah, um, I'm not going to comment on, on Trump's meltdowns, but right. um, this chip vulnerability, I mean, what's fascinating about it is usually when there's a problem, it's, you know, a math error or a, a heat bug or something in one particular chip. This is actually a flaw in the way chips have been designed basically for more than the last decade. Oh. Um, and so the way that chips have worked, uh, to put this in as simple terms as possible, is they have had more capability than there has been work to do. Mm-hmm. So like a very motivated person, when they're done doing all the work, they get ahead on next week. And so they were trying to go off and assume what they might be asked to do next. And that's where they got in trouble. So once they were done with the work that they knew they had, they would think, what might we be asked to do next? And they'd go off in all kinds of places and figure out and do the calculations. The problem with that was if you wrote a malicious script, you could have them go and fetch all kinds of things out of memory, and that's bad. Um, the fact that nobody thought of this ahead of time is kind of bizarre to me, but basically the way that they were doing this, and it's not just Intel, although Intel is affected in ways that some others aren't, um, but it is really all chips, so the chips in your phones, the chips in your PCs, 
the chips potentially in other things, uh, other kinds of high-powered devices, your Smart cars. Fridges. Uh, yeah, probably the the Samsung smart fridge. Um, you, you might no longer be able to take a picture of what's in your refrigerator <laughs> and have to open it. Um, so uh, the problem is when you have something that's been in you know every phone and every computer for the last decade, kind of tough to fix. Yep. Yep. Now are these are these? Uh, I've heard different phrases applied to Spectre and Meltdown. Are they bugs? Are they design flaws? Are they vulnerabilities. I mean, I think you know, if, you say, design, if you say design, design, design flaw, then it yeah. makes you think of the CPU itself. And that makes me think like Intel, right? Mm-hmm. But if you say bug, I think software. And I think something that it, you know, could inherently be fixed with software. Like what, what is it exactly? So part of it is what to, term you choose to use. I don't use bug because I think of those other things. It is definitely a massive vulnerability. So that's the term I use the most because it is a security vulnerability. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. Um, it's, I think design flaw is also fair because it is a flaw in the way that they're designed. So it's not a bug in that it wasn't like a small error. It's working the way they designed them. The problem is the way they designed them has a big security and they didn't hole. didn't anticipate this? or You know, it, it's a little puzzling. Um, yeah. you know, again, it feels I'm like Samsung. English it feels major. as bad and big as Samsung. Well, it's, yes phone. and no. I mean, it's not in the sense of... You know, it's not physically dangerous, oh, but, but it's, it's worse. bad in that, in theory, uh, if the systems aren't patched or if someone comes up with a new exploit, they could get your passwords and other stuff. They can't, Intel likes to point out, they can't corrupt the data. So they can't mess with your data, but that doesn't mean they couldn't steal your data. Right, and so that's why the whole industry is trying to fix this as much as they can, but there's a lot of debate, and it's been very confusing to report, over just how much they actually can fix. A couple of the researchers involved are saying part of the Spectre vulnerability is unfixable at the one end. And then on the other hand, you have Intel saying it's completely mitigated. So one of the challenges I've had in reporting this, and we've been reporting it since before it was announced publicly, is just figuring out where the truth lies. And I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. But literally every company involved that I talk to explains it differently, has a different impact, and a different level so of mitigation. A lot of them are acting very protective. Yeah, of course. Right they don't want to admit what's happened here. So explain the Spectre and Meltdown. So Meltdown is a more specific thing. So it's both more present danger, but also more easily solved because it's more specific. And what that was, was basically a specific technique um, that applied, it seems like, to both Intel and ARM chips. ARM chips, right. Um, so AMD is a little less affected, Intel's rival, but they're far less prevalent than Intel systems. But both Intel and ARM, and this was a specific way you could go in and get specific set of information. Spectre is a little different. It's harder. You have to know how a specific chip works, um, but it's a whole class of attacks. Mm-hmm. So we might be seeing Spectre-related attacks Four years. I mean, the, you're not going to change the chips that are in these machines, so you're going to have to patch them. Um, it also has to do with how they're fixed. So for Meltdown, there was a pretty specific fix. Basically, the the chips, the attack worked by letting you get access to different kinds of memory. If you take that access away, you solve the problem. Great, except the techniques that they were using, they were doing it because it made things faster. So one of the issues is by fixing Meltdown, in some cases, you could be really slowing things down. And that's where a lot of the criticisms come. That's where these class action lawsuits are coming. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you'll see some people that use cloud services also saying, whoa, this is a really big deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How many computers do we believe are impacted at this point? This All is an easy them. one. All of them. All of them. Um, no, I mean, it's basically any modern high-end device. High-end meaning any computer, any 
modern Android phone, any iPhone, and even some Internet of Things devices if they're using a fast enough chip. So the chips that aren't affected are ones that aren't high-powered enough to be doing this thing. It's called speculative execution. They're basically, they don't have enough computing power that they needed to Such use this technique. Is that like an atom chip? Um, so the what? Apple Watch, for example, okay. isn't going that fast, or uh, Chromecast, or... So some of the Internet of Things devices aren't using that high end of an ARM chip. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So they're all affected, and, and one is just easier to fix than others. So how do you get to this kind of things? I mean, it seems to be a failing on Intel's part. Um, and, and, and so what do we know based on what Intel's made public? How are they handling the crisis? So, I mean, on the one hand, it is hard to see how this big a vulnerability got out there. At the same time, you had all the mines in the chip industry all thinking the same way. Nobody caught this. It's in literally every modern chip architecture. Um, what's interesting, they have known about it for a while. So Google researchers found this last June. They reported it to Intel, AMD, and ARM. So they've been working on these fixes for a while. Um, so the whole industry's kind of known it has a problem. Again, the challenge is it's a lot to go back and fix. Mm -hmm. There's been a little bit of um, back and forth between just... For one example, you know, Intel and Microsoft, right? Intel is saying, uh, here's what we know, and we don't think this is going to slow down your machines. Microsoft came out with a blog post last week during CES saying, no, we do think this is going to slow down your machines, especially ones that are uh, have been running Windows 7 or are running on older chips like Haswell. Um, and then it just seems like there are just a lot of conflicting sort of reports here as to what is actually going to happen to people's machines. Both performance-wise and vulnerability. There's right, yeah, right. But, but a lot of it's perform around performance, right. right? Because once you issue these patches and people do these OS upgrades that include mm -hmm. these patches, that's when basically, from what I understand, the communication with the, the kernel has changed and that's what slows things down. Um, what do we know is actually the case here, like in terms of slowdowns? So from what I understand, when you really get a slowdown are applications that were making a lot of use of this communication with the kernel. And now in order to fix it, what they're doing is cache is basically memory that's stored. They're dumping that every time to avoid being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an application like a database, I've heard databases are particularly affected, um, that's going back and forth between the kernel, um, that's where you see a slowdown. And there's some ways over time they might be able to change this. For example, they could leave you in the kernel and you could do a lot of work in the kernel. That would improve performance, but it would again be a security issue. There's a reason they want to keep you out of the kernel. The kernel's like the, the vault. So if you think of this as a bank, um, right now, the issue is it's easy to go back and forth between the lobby of the bank and the high security vault. So in order to close that, they're making it really hard to get between those two things again. You could do everything in the high security vault, but you know the people that are also in the vault don't really want you hanging out there. Um, I, I like this. That's I'm going to have to use good. this. We're going to yeah. keep well, going with this. Yeah. How about um, a house? Let's do a house metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, My panic they, room. They're in your panic room. Um, but you do, it's interesting, you do have Microsoft and, and Intel saying a lot of different things. And in fact, you even have Intel saying some different things. So which one is more affected, Microsoft and Google or Apple? Like, especially because everything's mobile, obviously. That's where the, or is it the laptop? So Microsoft and Linux on the server side are impacted similarly, and they're both doing relatively similar things to fix it. Um, Google is interesting. Um, on Android, um, there, this is an issue because they use ARM chips. Um, I think what we're going to see over time is if there are exploits, Android is more vulnerable because people don't fix their Android systems. So the Android flaw could last longer right. in the sense of even though Google has pushed out a patch, that's not the same as... 
the phone makers, so Samsung may not have put out a patch, mm-hmm. um, the different chip makers, it's just a more crowded atmosphere. Apple has said a little less. They've said, look, we've updated iOS and macOS. As is typical, they don't go into a ton of detail about how vulnerable they were. They do have the advantage, though, that they can see the software and the chips and the hardware, and they can be more elegant in the way that they fix it because they control Because they can do it together. And, and obviously, it's helped. It. Everyone works on mobile, obviously, now more than anything, that Intel wasn't we're as competitive in mobile as others, correct or not? Or is it just everything? It's everything. So, I mean, it, there's fewer Intel chips in mobile, but the same flaw applies to the ARM chips. So, I mean, right. this is also interesting. I don't think we've ever seen a flaw like this that affected multiple types of vendors. In, in other words, if there's a flaw in Linux, it doesn't usually affect Windows and right. vice versa. Although that's not totally true. Who, anyway. who was, oh, designed this yeah. original flaw? Who can we blame? Yeah. Who can we blame? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone who, who went we to chip design school. To? I mean, that's the thing is everyone in the industry did it. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. A bad it's like, lock. Someone in, yeah. and everyone. And the whole industry moved to that bad right. lock. Right. And there right. were good reasons. Again, I mean, you had these chips that were incredibly powerful and they had extra brain cycles. And so people are like, what do we do with these extra brain cycles? Um, What surprises me isn't that they went to that. It's that they didn't foresee basically unlocking the bank vault could cause problems. And again, nobody in the industry seemed to have seen it. It's almost like Silicon Valley doesn't understand its impact. Hmm. Odd. <laughs> I spy a recurring theme Kara's here. moving it back to home turf. <laughs> Enough of this talk about chips. No, but it's the same thing. It's it the is. same thing. Is these people have the responsibility to to protect their consumers. I mean, it's it's like bad meat or, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't kill people, but it's not. Well, what's interesting, and that brings up one of the things that I find interesting, is that Intel has said it doesn't expect a financial impact from this, which I find fascinating. That's kind of shocking. Yeah. I'm feeling like suing them tomorrow. Well, like, and what? a bunch of people have beaten you yeah. to it. I mean, you can join their class action suits. So I think that's one issue. Um, the other issue is if you do work in the cloud, this impacts you. So one of the things that Intel and others are saying is the performance hit you see will be very workload dependent. So it depends what you're doing. But that means that the people that are impacted the most are these businesses mm-hmm. that are paying a ton of money to Amazon or Microsoft or Google to do work in the cloud. They might be doing one thing over and over. And if that one thing is what's impacted, they're going to see that 20, 30% performance hit. You know, it's not going to be you or I. Businesses. You right. or I, we don't do enough of this to probably notice. Right, our, but if you're our, running a bunch of servers. And you're doing mm-hmm. one thing over and over, you might be totally unaffected mm-hmm. because that one thing doesn't use this technique a lot, but you might be very impacted. And I think one of the reasons Microsoft has been so outspoken about this is they're worried about being blamed because suddenly Azure or Amazon or Google's cloud, the people you pay, they're sending you a bill for 20 or 30% more work. And they're worried that they're going to be the ones to blame. Why would, you pay, the bus? why would you pay? Right. They, yeah. Why would you pay for more? Because it's there. Because uh, basically, each. No, I get why. I just why would you? Like, you'd complain about it. Speaking, yeah, it's a really interesting. What does it mean if you're working in a uh, virtualized environment? If you're, let's say, you're a VMware right now, and you provide software for people to run Windows on Macs, right? Or what is does this impact your experience at all? So I think it does. I was reading up some on this. I'm not an expert. You should definitely read. I mean. The, you know, the bottom line, I think a lot of people are wondering, what should I do? If you're a consumer, you know, patch to the latest updates. If you're an enterprise, you really need to read from each of these. So you should go to your virtualization provider. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's things you need to update on both the 
underlying metal, but also the virtualization. I will get to that in the question. People have asked these questions. Tara loves it when we talk virtualization. She loves, she gets, yeah, virtualization. <laughs> no, really no, but I want to know what people should do, and, I, and regular people. Um, I think businesses are probably they have all kinds of experts to do that. Um, so, what? Did, why did it take so long for Spectre and Melton to be discovered? This has been a decade. You said ships going back a decade, correct? And I mean, that speaks to, it couldn't have been that obvious, Mm -hmm. or not only would the industry have found it, but, you know, this whole security community that loves to poke holes. Right. You know, these are the smartest brains that basically sit around looking for holes, and they find the most obvious holes. So Yeah, they did a great job on the Russian stuff. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Um, What? (laughs) Go ahead. So um, what, I want to know why they're falling down on their in their work. I mean, I think what what's interesting, and I think a lot of people will be like, wait, you've known about this since June. Why are we just hearing about oh, that's it? That's another one. Um, but I actually think this was an example of the system working. So the way that the security system works is if people do what's called responsible disclosure, I find out you know there's a big flaw in the system. I go to the system provider and say, hey, here's what I found. You know, when the time comes, I want credit, but I'm going to give you guys a reasonable amount of time. To fix it. And that's what happened here. It came out like a week early. So this is the what I think as a reporter, I'm like, this was crappy. So they were going to disclose it during CES, the day after Brian Kurzanich's oh, speech. Oh, man. Yeah. You could see that meeting. You could yeah. see that PR meeting. Um, uh, should we so not mention? So luckily for us, because I think it would have just made reporting at CES a nightmare, not to mention the fact we didn't even have power. Um, uh and so it came out about flaw. a week early. A week before. Right? Um, so yeah. that, that, that was good. But, but it held for since last June. It held since last June. So that's a pretty long time for the that entire is, industry. That is. Um, it makes me wonder, you know, if these, if these independent or somewhat independent in some cases, they're working for Google or whoever it might be, but these researchers who follow this ethics code um, feel like they need to come out with it. Yeah, I'm um, surprised. But they have the, the access to these tools, right? It makes me wonder, like, researchers within government who are probably not disclosing things. Well, and we do level. have this. And basically, right. there's a question. Should the government be out there exactly. looking for unpatched holes, whether it's for the surveillance they want to do or to attack foreign powers. And this is really going on. So if the government had found this hole, they probably would have used it to attack other countries or oh, other governments nice. would have used it to attack yeah. us. Yeah, great. Don't we all feel safe? It's like, I think this was a plot of a Tia Leone movie about the end of the world, as I recall. They didn't tell anybody the world was ending for six months or something like that. I think Hawaii got the heads up. Yeah. That's another <laughs> God, story. Poor oh. Hawaii. It's yeah, the same. It's down the same thing. It's like the way these systems are designed. I think, I think apparently there's two buttons, and they seem to like test missile system missile thing. Yeah, reportedly missile. a drop down. We menu. talk about like the computers getting smarter than us. That it's an advancement in the computers. I think it's actually us getting progressively less and less. I know. I was thinking, let's yeah. let the computers run things because like for like literally, I think it was right down in a drop down. It, yeah. It, yeah. Sending people. Can you imagine if you thought you had 30 minutes to live? It like, was end of shift and end of world. Yeah. And he accidentally hit end <laughs> yeah. of world. <laughs> All right. Have you guys been watching Black Mirror, by the way? I can't watch that show. I'm, oh, I just watched the episode last night with the Boston Dynamics-like little robot Ooh. dog. Have you seen that one? I have not. No, I haven't seen the, the face. That's all does, I'll say, but I don't does, want to add any Does he eat the face but of the owner? This, I mean something this thing, like. Well, so anytime you, you think... Oh, well, we're smarter than these things. Or do you remember when we re- had Rich Mahoney on to talk about mm-hmm. robots and whether or not we should all be afraid of robots? And he said, no, don't worry about it. You just unplug it or let the battery die, and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I watched this episode, and that is not the case. No, just, that's no. all I'm I don't want to know about it. You should all go it. watch it. No. It's, it's terrifying. No, no. Yep. 
No That's robot our dogs. That's no, our thank future. You. They're smarter than us. But a robot us. cat. All right. In a minute, we're going to take some questions about Spectre and Meltdown from our readers and listeners and terrify you even more. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Hashtag money. Hashtag you're welcome. Hashtag I need more sleep. I like hashtag I'm going to try hashtagging now for our I ads. like hashtag money. Hashtag money. I like it. Money, money, money. Cash. Money. Hashtag cash. Hashtag yeah. sleep because sleep. Today's show is brought to you by Simply Safe, the fastest growing home security company in the nation. They now protect more than 2 million people. Here's some exciting news. Simply Safe has just released a brand new home security system. This system has been completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, downed Wi-Fi, cut lines, bats, hammers, and everything in between. The all-new Simply Safe was redesigned to be practically invisible with powerful sensors so small you'll hardly notice them. But you know who'll notice them? Intruders. Simply Safe spent years building this system. They added so much, but you still get the same fair and honest price. 24/7 protection for only $15 a month, and there's no contract. It's smaller, faster, and stronger than anything they built before. But supply is very limited. Visit simplysafe.com slash Tita now to order. That's S-I-M-P-L-I and then the word safe.com slash Tita, T-E-T-A, to protect your home and family today. Simplysafe.com slash Tita. Today's show is also brought to you by Eight Sleep. Do you dread the cold winter nights? Staying warm at night used to drive me crazy until I came across Eight Smart Mattress. Eight comes with customizable tech features like dual zone bed warming so you can heat up each side of the bed individually. If your partner likes climbing into a cozy bed but you don't, you can turn one side on and keep the other one off. Winter is here and eight smart mattresses will keep you nice and toasty all season long. Visit 8sleep.com T-E-T-A and use the code TITA to get $125 off all mattresses plus free shipping and free returns. That's eight spelled E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-E-T-A and code TITA to redeem this special offer. We're back with Ina Fried from Axios, formerly of All Things D and Recode. We let her in the building today to talk about Spectre and Meltdown chip vulnerabilities, which are potentially endangering computers around the world. What a happy day. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm always here. Last How time you? when you? Samsung phones were blowing up, I'm Mr. <laughs> Miss right. Good News. Good news. <laughs> so no surprise, we've got a lot of questions from our readers and listeners about what's going on and what they can do. So we, we, Ina, they need your help. Lauren, can you read the first question? I can. Would Thank you like you. me to? Yes, if you can. <laughs> Say please. No. Let's <laughs> read the first question. All right. This is from Matt Del Signori at Del Signori on Twitter. Like Do you think companies are downplaying the danger of this? It mm. seems like Spectre combined with Rowhammer means you have arbitrary reads and writes on any system and that these can't be fixed with software updates because it's a flaw in hardware. Uh-huh. Are they downplaying the danger? What's Rowhammer. Yeah, what is ro- hashtag Rowhammer? What is that? Google's Rowhammer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. While well, while Lauren's googling Rowhammer, you just tell us. Um, you, I, you know, I think you know it's an argument could be made, a reasonable argument that they're both over and underplaying it. I mean, I think with any security vulnerability, um, you know, the real issue is what do people do with it. Um, I sort of balk at the notion that there's no way of fixing these things. I think the fact that it's in silicon and it's in every piece of silicon is makes it hard. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is you can do things differently, and that's what you're seeing. Um, that's why it's falling on every operating system to go out and patch. So it's a big problem. 
Um, but I'm sort of skeptical of the idea it can't be fixed, but there's usually a cost. And cost in this sense comes in performance. Um, you have this technique, and if you decide you are going to avoid the vulnerability, that means avoiding using this performance-enhancing technique. Uh, guys, I have a, a very um, easy-to-digest description of Rowhammer here. Yeah, All right. So it appears as though the researchers from Project Zero also um, worked on this in 2015. They worked on some, uh, they built some exploits that used this Rowhammer effect. But Rowhammer is a problem with some recent uh, DRAM devices in which repeatedly accessing a row of memory can cause bit flips in adjacent rows. So there you go. You have it. So it's a no, memory it's, it's flaw. A, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a memory flaw. It's a side effect in, in uh, DRAM, which is dynamic random access memory that causes memory cells to leak uh, their charges. And I guess in some And this is a more traditional, that's like a chip Altering bug. the memory. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So there you go. All right. You learn something new every day. All right. Next question, Kevin Lamb at the Kevin Lamb. Why are companies like Apple being dragged into lawsuits against the processor manufacturers? Is it because Apple uses ARM designs in their custom chips? Yeah. I mean, so anyone who's ultimately shipping a system has a problem. It's whose fault is it ultimately? I think the chip maker. But, you know, Apple in this case is the chip maker. Apple makes its own ARM chips. Mm -hmm. Um, So Apple, it's pretty simple. They make everything in the system. So if you're going to sue somebody, they're probably the ones you're going to sue. I think the more interesting question is if you're getting your cloud services from Amazon, who's responsible? Amazon? The company that made Amazon servers, the company that made the chips, um, we may well get to find out the answer of that through litigation, which is why I think it's so interesting that Intel said it doesn't see a financial impact here. Mm-hmm. Let's sue mm-hmm. them all. This is a good question from Evan Spielberg. Uh, when will new chips come out that aren't affected or or infected, as the case may be? Um, so this, I guess, is a question about yeah, supply so chain, right? I mean, that wh- takes a while, right? How long? How long is the chip production cycle generally? When can we especially new chips? That's that always usually Design. Yeah, I mean, so chips take a couple years to design. I think what you'll see is starting later this year, and I did, I asked Intel this specific question. Um, so since they've known since June, they've had a little time to start thinking about this. I think what you'll see initially are at the chip level and at the firmware level, chips written that are more elegantly doing what's now being done as a software patch. So you could argue they've changed the chip design. I don't think you'll see an end to the technique. In fact, they said they won't. That you'll still be able to do this speculative execution. It'll just be a little smarter when it comes to memory. I think what you'll see is down the line more elegant revision. So I think you know chips this year may be less vulnerable than the ones coming out over the last decade. I don't think it's that they fundamentally rethought how chips are done. I think they're just designing and releasing these chips aware that this vulnerability exists. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So any timing? Any yeah, time? later this year. So I mean, later what Intel soon. said is the chips that come out starting as early as later this year won't be vulnerable in the same ways. But the billions of devices. Will have to be fixed with software. Something. Billions. 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 All right. Next question is two questions from Ravish Kumar. As the MacBook Air is already underpowered, is it going to make the laptop obsolete to use in 2018 after the update? And then I'm planning to get a MacBook Air, but I'm not sure if the updates are going to slow it down by 30% as the processor is also pretty old. And I have one too. It feels like it was... You have an Air? I have an Air. Do you really? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Walt Walt Mossberg has a bunker. Right. MacBook Airs somewhere, I'm convinced. Yeah, I have a lot of them. He just loves that thing. Yeah, I have a lot of them. I have the Pro. I got, I don't know. I, I got a lot of computers. 
Um, so just, you know, hook them all together and you'll be fine. No, um, so, I mean, I don't think this chip issue is going to be the determining factor for the average computer user. Because as we've said, and, and as others have said, I don't think the average computer user is going to notice a huge impact. Now, Microsoft has said for some Windows 7 systems mm-hmm. on older chips, there's a performance impact that can be noticeable. So I don't want to Why noticeable? It. Explain to people what noticeable would Noticeable be. probably means, I mean, they didn't specify, but, you know, you a little spin 10%, 15%. I think it's it's tasks that you do all the time Slower. taking longer. Um, and so I don't know with Apple's what they're seeing. They're, they've said we don't see a significant impact. You know, it always feels like your older computer is getting slower. No, my spinny thing suddenly is making a debut all the time. So, I mean, I think people will have it in their head that this is the reason why they need a new computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in general, it's not the chip performance that tends to be what slows things down. You have too many Things like battery and memory and stuff. Um, you know, the speed of your hard drive, really boring stuff that's hard to quantify. Um, I don't think this is going to be the factor of getting a new Mac or not. It, it is a rare argument for getting a more modern chip. In general, I don't know what your advice is to Lauren, but it's not the first thing I tell people to worry about is, you know, I say get as big a hard drive as you need, think about a solid state drive, um, but not worry too much about what chip because historically they've all been fast enough. I, I'm just curious. Yeah, I will say that, I mean, for, for me being kind of a nerd, I mean, I waited uh, for the next generation KB Link processor to be available in MacBooks, Mac, new MacBooks before I went ahead and bought one. But for most people who were like, I need a new laptop, which one should I get? Should I get, you know, generally they're looking at low cost uh, Windows based PCs. Um, and if they are looking at a MacBook, they're usually, most people aren't looking for like high powered stuff unless they're pros. And if they're pros, then they kind of know what they want. So I would, yeah, I would say like, you know, the chip is generally not the very first thing I tell them to to look for. Yeah. I, I'm just curious if there's any possibility, it just was that this is not. A mistake that there's some sort of hacking or some something else attached to it. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you don't, you don't. If you want to create a backdoor, you don't create a massive vulnerability in right. the entire industry. I mean, for a long time, I'm just people yeah. will bring that up. Though, yeah, they? I mean, I, again, I think people often want to make things into a big conspiracy theory, and it's it's usually it's not the true. case. Yeah, um, they're well, absolutely true. <laughs> you know, we can get into, you know, why is Apple slowing down our phones? I mean, I, I think that's not actually what was going on with that either. Right, okay. Um, I know, trust tech, okay, got it. No, sure. I'm not saying that at all. I yeah. just think... No, the, I, I see what you're saying. There are often engineering solutions um, that are done a certain way because of the limitations of the hardware that exists, but most of the time what people take away is the is that one detrimental thing as a result of the engineering solution. Yeah, I mean, on the Apple thing, we have Congress holding hearings, and it's like, look, you know, you can knock Apple for making the battery hard to replace. That's a totally legitimate criticism. Mm-hmm. Or how they communicated this, or sort of being cavalier in how they assume they know what's best for the consumer. All three of those are valid criticisms. It is not the case that Apple was intentionally slowing down iPhones. Like, that's not really what was going on. And yeah. similar with this, nobody was trying to... I think the issue to... is a lot of them f- act like they're so confident when they make mistakes. You know what I mean? Like they project an aura of invisibility and confidence. And when it's like lots of things have been badly designed from 
horribly tragic, like the yeah. O-ring uh, to just basic well, things. And that are- it does become a communication issue. We saw it with Samsung as well. I mean, Samsung was really slow to issue formal recalls and communicate properly about what mm-hmm. was going on with their overheating and fiery batteries. Even when they didn't um, have a good answer. Intel is now not communicating very well. It's still unclear whether or not Intel just doesn't have the same information as Microsoft or whether Intel is, you know, is bluffing a little bit because ultimately this could come down on them. Um, same with Apple, like like you said, Ian, it's not necessarily like, yeah, let's throttle iPhones and make everyone rush to the store on that Friday when so they can buy new ones. But it's like, we did this tricky engineering thing uh, in order to compensate for aging batteries and older devices, but we didn't really communicate that right. Okay, next one, Lauren. Liz Nasty Weeks, one of our loyal listeners. Thanks for writing in all the time, Liz. Uh, I'll ask the obvious. What does this imply for tech like self-driving cars? Yes. This wasn't wholly foreseeable, and we have the space to wait for a fix, but less so with more sophisticated tech that dovetails into traditional harm concerns, for example, car control. And we're already worried about hacking of cars. I mean, I think it is a good and reasonable question that we should all be asking as we take the computer industry and apply the same technology to all sorts of other things. How do we feel about a vulnerability there? Um, you know, and the medical device, I think, is the best example. They have not said, they have specifically said the opposite. We're not going to just take computer technology and bring it over. We're going to have a different level of security required. Um, and I think when you think about self-driving cars, it is a good and reasonable question to say, do we want all the benefits of the PC industry uh, along with all the costs or... Um, do we need something different? And what's been interesting is historically what they've said is we'll take computer technology for the infotainment and for some of those things, um, but when it comes to the core operation of the car, we're going to keep that separate. What hackers have shown, that team that went to Apple has shown, is that's not always true. The firewall isn't as good as it sounds. And so I think it is it is a really good question. What if this flaw had been found 10 years from now when the same technology is powering our cars. I mean, I think it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's already powering our elections and our everything. power grid and our everything. Other things. And there's a cost. I mean, there's yeah. a cost to all these vulnerabilities. Right. 100%. It's, it's nothing very is good. really benign anymore. Yeah, nothing. No, I was thinking about this at CES because my, my mom is fond of telling me that the first trade show I ever went to, I was so little, I was in a stroller. And it was at the Javits Center in New York City, and she and my dad bought, ended up buying a VCR. Like they purchased, they're like the first of their mm-hmm. friends to have this JVC VCR. That thing must have lasted for. It was, so it might have been CES, but if it wasn't CES, it was like a CES like trade show, and that thing probably lasted for like twenty years was, and was never was, connected. Was the you, other one that closed that you know we used to go. Comdex. Yeah, it started Comdex. with the Comdex. Yeah. yeah, but like for a while, all of those those prototypical products that were at trade shows were. Like this were gadgets. They were mm-hmm. not connected. They were benign. They lasted for a really long time. Now, on the downside, they couldn't be optimized or constantly updated through software. But on the on the upside, they were not vulnerable to this sort of stuff. And we are just moving to an ever-connected world. Everything is connected. You know where I'm going on vacation? Everything is has vulnerable. no internet or electricity. Yeah, I know where you're going. I'm not no. going to tell on the podcast because I don't want to dox you. But No electricity. I told you I'd go. Okay. But, you might know. still. We'll see. A place with no electricity or internet? partner in crime didn't seem too excited about Wait, you're going to a place with no electricity or internet? <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas? And I offered myself. <laughs> yes, you will be my Yeah, be my But vacation. no, really, every every single thing I saw at CES last week for the most part was connected in some yeah. way. Everything has an app. 
everything's we connected. Everything has living, a connected protocol. We are living the Terminator. And you can't, I said this last week, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tooth No, now. you can't. And you, you, these things that are choices are quickly becoming not choices. For example, um, a lot of people have been writing about avoiding Google Home or Alexa, that they mm-hmm. don't want an always listening thing, which I think is a perfectly good choice. Yeah. I actually haven't had any of them. I've tested them briefly, but I haven't kept them on. Well, that's nice when the choice is, do I want this smart speaker or not? It's a product I can decide to buy or not. What we saw at CES, two years from now, it's not going to be up to me. It's not going to be a question. Either my microwave's going to have it or my TV or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, I, Donald Trump wasn't apparently wrong about this. The microwave will be watching it. Yeah. <laughs> the cyber. <laughs> so you can add that to the very long list of things uh, that have actually it turned out to be true. It always comes back to that, man, doesn't it? No, it does not. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Uh, this, this is, is a really this, good one. Yeah, I love this, this question. One, right? this, I'm going to ask you. You're okay. the last two. Go ahead. The last, the last Jeff Yang uh, at Original Spin. Why do horrible civilization-threatening computer bugs always sound have totally awesome-sounding names? Can't we just call them something like Flarb and Ziffle? So it doesn't make you kind of psyched. Wait, he knows about pwned. Flarb and Ziffle? <laughs> Those know. aren't supposed to be disclosed till next week. <laughs> Why do they have these things? Who names these things? Flarb. Who well, named Inspector? The researchers. So in this case, it was people looking to make it sound good. Ominous. You know, you know Ominous. there's a security industry that benefits from these cool sci-fi names. What's your favorite of these names? Uh, Wanna Cry was pretty good. Wanna Cry was I'm old enough good. to remember What's that? I, I liked you. Heartbleed was good. Heartbleed was good. I don't get yeah. that. Heartbleed? Oh, Heartbleed. She that was from heart. a few years ago. It's like if you have this organ. Oh, Heartbleed. I oh, I thought you said Heartbleed. No, Heartbleed. Was... My boyfriend still wears a Heartbleed t-shirt. Oh, all right. The heartbleed. Now it's vintage But point. there was I Love You and Melissa back when, the, remember when the biggest was vulnerability the issues was were one. mass emails? Like yeah. send out email, and your yes. email box might be flooded. What what um, oh, what a naive what time we lived in. What was the Intel one from a couple of years ago? They had the flaw in the chip. What was it? Remember hmm. the Pentium F div? Pentium, yeah. Pen, well, Pentium was, was the name of their chip. Pen, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had a math bug. Yes, that's a, ma- a math bug. It that couldn't really do exciting. floating point math. I mean, I can't either. What would Rowhammer, Rowhammer's pretty good. Ro- Rowhammer sounds strange. What would you call? Give me a name that you would make for if you were the security researcher. I'd name them after Pokemon. <laughs> That might run into some trademark oh issues. You know, it's like internet companies. They used to, Netscape in the early days, and it's all Mark Andreessen, would name them after diseases of the skin, the the, the meeting rooms. Oh. And different things and different yeah, servers. I don't know that we want to conflate human disease and computer disease I'm much just more. He had diseases of the skin. Oh, you know, I just had to patch my system. It's got syphilis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look up some syphilis good ones. Syphilis is a good name for a, Thing. It's popular in the baby name books. I hear it's making a comeback. <laughs> I would name mine after cats. What? And be like Slider, Nougat, Fluffy. Uh, or maybe, I believe no, Nougat you know what is already used. I know, Nougat is already used. I would name it after like Keanu Reeves characters. Neo. Oh, that's a good Constantine. Idea. Oh, that's a good idea. John Wick. No, I like that. <laughs> Eric's nodding. He knew that was coming. Oh, no. Oh, the no. John Wick security flaw. Yeah. I would call them Kara 1, 2, 3, 4. <laughs> That's actually my pet would. name for them. <laughs> All right, last question from this two Kara people. This Kara is completely ruining my system. <laughs> and it calls it all hours. <laughs> all right, last two questions. Walt Mossberg. Yeah. Some guy named Walt Mossberg. I heard he's retired. That name sounds familiar. He's opening a, a cigar store called <laughs> he's taking Smoke and Mossberg. Uh, how will these devastating bugs affect the production of Diet Coke and Starbucks iced coffee? Yeah. And another question, a follow-up from Dieter Bonn. Also, 
Are Niantic's Pokemon servers okay? Very important questions for you, Ina. So I feel like both these are are uniquely directed to me. Well, I'm holding a Diet Coke here Mm -hmm, in our studio. Um, This was another thing. So I don't know that they're related, um, but I am very upset. So if Intel had had its way, this chip flaw would have been disclosed at CES while we were busy. And Diet Coke actually got away with this. So they announced massive changes coming to Diet Coke while we were at CES, which I thought was an incredibly... That was how many years ago? This, oh, this year. This oh, year. This year. Oh, twisted uh, mango and... Sh- yeah. What? Blood orange. Blood yeah. orange. So they're oh, getting rid no. of the Diet Coke Ginger can. Ginger lime. They're going to have a new formula. That, I guess Diet Coke sales are down, which it's certainly not due to any lack of... Uh, you and yeah. you and Donald Trump really this who drinks Thank Diet you. Coke. I'm Thank just you. saying he so drinks like better. ten a day. It, it is it cherry. is really a good motivator. <laughs> um, so I think Diet Coke, you know, like a lot of businesses, you know, if they're storing their secret formula, it's potentially vulnerable. Wait, is it twisted mango, blood orange, or something. like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think these new flavors yeah, suggest they, got, they like, don't have name. a secret formula that needs you know, to be protected. You know, twisted mango is Tony Robbs new code name, but anyway. So, you know what's <laughs> funny about this is, at least according to one article, that the, part of this this drop in di- uh, Diet Coke sales in the U.S. is because Americans are increasingly cutting sugar out of their diets. So why would you go with the names Feisty Cherry, Feisty Zesty cherry. Blood Origin, Twisted Mango? Doesn't that think you, make you think more sugar? Yeah. Like you're adding fruit to the mix, so mm. I would think more sugar. Yeah, Feisty Tepid Cherry. quinoa, though, just doesn't sound like <laughs> a very good drink. <laughs> Lukewarm, lukewarm. Tempid diet, miso tempid diet coke. Um, As for Niantic servers. I made some delicious miso soup the other night from scratch. Anyway. And where is it? I hate it. I don't see it here. I edit. I edit. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Niantic, what what are they? You know, I haven't noticed any slowdown in Pokemon, but I I promise you this, I'm going to keep testing it. If I have to play the game 24-7. You were the only person you played. Like, there's actually, there's a lot of us. We're just not as concentrated. Yeah, that's what, that's They what have these events they and they're mobs. Yeah. There are like still a lot of people, but it's way less than it used yeah, to Louis be. Louis yeah, Louis Swisher stopped playing. Yeah, a lot of people don't play anymore, but yeah. a lot of people do. Um, yeah. Do you remember when you found one in my bedroom? Do you remember that? Like it was some party and there was one upstairs. Was that a Pokemon? Really? <laughs> it was a po- I had a Pokemon whatever, a gym or Was whatever. it a Pokemon Cuddle Puddle? No. no. There's no Cuddle Puddle going on in my house. That's a reference to sex parties in Silicon Valley. Which of course, For the those word. of you who have not yet read the Vanity Fair <laughs> article. And the fact of the matter is I'm calling them Cuddle so Puddles. So what you're saying is... I know, that would be a good name for vulnerability. If people go in your bedroom, they can take a Pikachu? No, a Pikachu. Oh, my God. Oh, we missed you so much. Not at all. Um, you know, Cuddle Puddle is a great name for a vulnerability. It is. That is. There we Have go. Have you been impacted by the Cuddle Puddle? <laughs> <laughs> is your Cuddle Puddle running? Elon Musk says it was not a Cuddle Puddle. <laughs> no, He's totally cuddle. immune. Oh, my God. That uh, story. I'm sorry. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Everyone's like, can't write about it. I'm like, no. I just can't. Just, I don't know, Ina. Knock yourself out. It's all yours. And no, you know, I'm, I'm in bed by nine. I'm surprised people in tech are going to parties, never, never mind that they're it's sex true, parties. It's true. Supposedly. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. According cuddle, to sources hashtag to cuddle the situation. Puddles. Yeah, but I do appreciate that you wear your Glamazon yes. attire here today for the... Yes, thank you. Thank I'm you also wearing my think before you tweet t-shirt. Yeah, yeah no, we don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I wore it for Kara's benefit. You'll, you'll come on again. Ina, it's been a delight having you it back really here as been. usual. Um, and Ina is works for Axios now. She does a great job uh, covering tech. What is your tech? What is your? Title? So I'm chief tech correspondent, but I also do the daily newsletter login, mm-hmm. which you can subscribe wow. to. Wow, get login.axios.com. Nice. You don't well, get login, Kara. I get login. I don't read any of those newsletters. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
time. When do you have to do it? I'm busy tweeting. Thinking, not thinking before I tweet. Um, anyway, this has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Ina, again, thank you for coming. Thanks, Carrie. Great to see you. Come back soon. We do miss you. You can come to We had our lovely party the other day. We should have invited you, but we didn't. Uh, if it was after 9 p.m., I would No, it was a bed. lunch party. It was oh, I, I'm up yeah, at lunch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, uh, we had lovely Jim Summit. It was wonderful. You're welcome to co-host with me anytime. Tell Lauren. Don't tell Lauren I said so. Okay. Yeah, don't tell her. I just found out that Kara's been doing a whole series with other co-hosts, <laughs> like, for months. And she I has, she has out, a show so. coming up on MSNBC. <laughs> I did hear about that with, with a co-host. I don't know his name, but, you know. <laughs> Some guy from uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, if you all enjoyed this week's episode as much as we did, and we truly did because we love having Ina back, be sure to subscribe to our show, and you can leave us a review. Just go to iTunes.com slash... <laughs> just like recode slash slash too embarrassed to ask when you subscribe you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all the tech questions our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask and if you're not on Apple Podcasts you can also subscribe to our show on Spotify Google Play Music really wherever you listen to podcasts or you just go to the website go to recode.net slash podcast and you can find every episode there and while you're there you should check out our other shows Recode Decode Recode Replay and Recode Media with Peter Kafka The Verge also has an excellent podcast called The Vergecast hosted by Neelai Patel. Ashley Carmen and Caitlin Tiffany host a new one called Why'd You Push That Button? It's really fun. It's about all the weird stuff people do on the internet and why they make those decisions. Uh, and keep an eye out for more Verge podcasts coming soon. Ina, do you have a podcast? You know, I don't. Uh, just, you know, but if you want, call me up and I'll read my newsletter to you each morning. <laughs> okay, oh that God. sounds great. That's a personalized offer from Ina Fried, everybody. And Chief you can reach me at mike.isaac <laughs> at nytimes.com. <laughs> He's on book yeah, leave. He's on book leave, but if yeah. you have tips about Uber, yeah. Send them to Ina. Send them to us. <laughs> yeah. Johanna's available. Johanna's yeah, available. Yeah, I don't think he can. Johanna he, he, Mike's not going to be checking his email whatsoever yeah, for the next no, six months. Gonna, so just he said he's does. not going to tweet as much. I don't believe that. From the <laughs> New York Minute. All these ex-recoders all over the place. I, we sprinkle them across the tech universe. <laughs> They're all doing really good. <laughs> Time you to do the podcast in that voice. What? From now on. Do ahead. Hello. <laughs> Go ahead. Read the next Hello. Line. <laughs> Don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to add Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. That was quite good. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you to our sponsors and to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, who sell those ads so you can listen to this show for free. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. And we'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. Hey, this is Peter Kafka, the host of Recode Media. You have been listening to this podcast, which means that you like listening to people talk about media and technology, which is very good news because we've got an entire conference all about just that topic. It's Code Media. It's coming up very soon. You should go. It's February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. It is a very, very nice place to be in February. Specifically, it's the Pasea Hotel and Spa there in Huntington Beach enough about the place. I want to tell you about what we're going to do there. We're going to talk to the smartest, most interesting people in media and technology. We as Kara Swisher and I, we're going to talk to people like Oath CEO Tim Armstrong, Susan Wojcicki, she's the CEO of YouTube, Kerry Trainer, he's the CEO of SoundCloud. I don't think he's spoken publicly anywhere yet. That's a, that's a good one. And HuffPost Editor-in-Chief Lydia Paul Green. If you want to learn more, you can go to recode.net, click on events, easy to find. Um, you can figure it out because you are smart because you listen to this podcast. That's Code Media Conference, February 12th and 13th in Huntington Beach, California. I will see you there.